0: This is on before I begin, I just want to thank you all for being here and encourage you we're starting a new we're starting a new series um, the path to stronger relationships and i and I know um maybe you're not regular at Grace Chapel, um, regular tenders, but this would be a great time to start. I mean, sincerely, if you ever struggled with a relationship or you have relationship struggles now or you'd like to learn how to better um, interact with your your kids or your spouse or the people at work, this is going to be a series that will really change your life. So I want to encourage you to come on back and be a part of that series. Um, In Luke chapter 24, it says this. Here we are, Easter 2013. Many of you come to church who are kind of regular attenders, members here at Grace Chapel. You come to church every week and you never really think too much about the resurrection, about the, the truth of the resurrection. The facts about the resurrection. And you, do, you don't really think about it much because... You know, years ago, you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, to be the Lord of your life, to be the Savior of your life. You have that relationship with God. And so that answer, that question's been answered for you. It's true. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. It's true. Now, there are others here this morning where uh, that may be a little different. And so this morning, I want to talk about that. That's what I really want to focus our attention on. The Bible says the women early in the morning went to the tomb, And they found that the stone had been rolled away. The tomb was empty. Jesus was not in the tomb, and it was guarded by two uh, supernatural beings. The question this morning that we have to answer is what happened to the body of Jesus Christ? What, What happened to the body? Some here today, um would, would, would say to themselves, I, remember, I never really thought about it. And so for you and for many others who have been thinking about it a little bit, that issue has not been resolved. What happened to the body of Jesus Christ? It's been a question. It is the most important question in the history of the world. Did he or did he not raise from the dead? And what happened when they went there that day? And they saw that empty tomb. What happened to the body of Jesus Christ? This morning, I want, to look at, I want to look at a couple, two specifically, of the most popular theories of what happened to the body of Christ that skeptics would, would use for their arguments. So the two most popular theories that a skeptic would use to deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I know many of you have come here this morning and you're, and you're doing the, the once or twice a year religious thing, and I'm not, that is not a criticism, and I'm not sitting up here with any judgment whatsoever. I'm glad you're here. I'm thrilled that you're here. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to be a part of this service. And so you, you, you come maybe once or twice a year, do the religious thing, but I want to ask you this morning to rethink the reason that you came. I want you to, I want you to open up your mind and rethink the reason that you're here. If, 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 you're just, if you think you just kind of showed up and you're doing your kind of once or twice a year thing, then that's one thing. But I, wanna, I want you to rethink it. I want you to think to yourself that there's a chance that God wanted you here, that God actually brought you here. And if that is true, if God drew you here this morning, if God had it in his plan from the beginning of time that you would be here this morning, I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste your time. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to lay out the truth of the resurrection. I'd like you to think through. Use your mind. I know you maybe came here to relax and you're going to sit back and you know you do it. You just kind of maybe do- doze off a little bit. No dozing this morning, okay? I get a half hour of your time. No dozing. Because I want you to think. I want you to think through with me about the resurrection and the truth of the resurrection. Worst case scenario here, I, and my, my goal is that you be, once you leave here today, you're going, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Okay? I have faith that Jesus rose from the dead. Worst case scenario for me is that you leave here thinking, that you leave here questioning and thinking, oh, man, I've got to study this more. I really need to, I need to really focus on this more because that was kind of compelling, because here's the deal for me. If Jesus Christ did not raise from the dead, then you can leave here and, 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 just do, and just continue to live the life that you've been living. I'm not saying it's a horrible, terrible life. I'm just saying you don't have to do any, you don't make any changes in your life whatsoever. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, go just live your life. But if, 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 if he did raise from the dead, if Jesus is risen, then I want you to rethink your future. I want you to rethink f- your future. And for me, most people don't, Um, hold back from following jesus christ from following god because of the evidence they hold back because in their minds they're thinking if i believe this is true how is it going to affect the rest of my life what am i going to have to do how is it going to change my life and i want to i want to ask you to be intellectually honest this morning and not to use emotional arguments in your heart to deny the facts that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, I want you to use your mind and your heart combined, your heart and mind together, but don 't don 't go into this thinking, well, even if he proves the point i 'm still not going to believe because man how 's that going to change my life? Let God work with you on that't let, let, don't, don't, don't make don 't have a foregone conclusion. just let let the Holy Spirit work on you and your life as you go forward in your spiritual journey so all right, so what are some of the the strongest arguments that skeptics would use for where the body of, you know, how this all happened, the resurrection or the, the fact that he was, you know, the, the tomb was empty. What, what did skeptics say about this to argue against the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Well, I think the favorite argument is that, um, that Jesus really didn't die. It's called the swoon theory. Jesus really, really didn't die. He merely fainted, and I'm, I'm going to try really hard not to be sarcastic with some of these things. It's hard for me um, with some of these theories. But he, he just, he merely fainted, or he passed out, or maybe I've heard maybe that they drugged him. So while he was on the cross, they drugged him earlier, so he just, he, he was faking that he was dead, or he, he looked like he was dead. So let me, let me, I'm going to walk through the crucifixion with you, okay? And because you, you have to understand if that's your, if that you're holding to the fact that Jesus Christ faked death on the cross and that what they say is he was faking death and then they took him down, they wrapped him up, they put him in the tomb. He recovered for three days. He went through a recovery process, you know, in that nice co- co- cozy tomb. And then three days later, he, he got out, he snuck out somehow and he rejoined the disciples and he went on with his ministry. OK, because it was a good recovery time for three days. He was in there just recovering from 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 the, you know, the, the things that happened to him it, because it was kind of difficult. You know what I mean? Well, let me share how difficult it was for him uh, to go through this. Number one, crucifixion. OK, crucifixion is the most painful, excruciating form of punishment leading, leading, leading to death ever conceived of, ever contrived by man for man. It is the most horrifying, excruciating, painful punishment leading to death, because it always does, that man ever contrived by man for man. If you, tra- if you trace the word excruciation or excruciating, <laughs> it goes back to the origin, you, and you go back to its origin, you go back to its root, you will find that it is always linked to the act of crucifixion. So you get the word, oh, I'm in excruciating pain. I'm in excruciating pain. You said that before in your life. Maybe you had something wrong with your tooth or maybe you you were passing kidney stones. Whatever the case may be, you were in excruciating pain. That word comes from the act of crucifixion crucifixion that's where we get the word so i want to walk through what jesus went through and i want you to keep in your mind now we're we're having a i'm, I'm going to use apologetics i want to defend the fact that jesus christ rose from the dead and i want you to think this through i want you to think the argument through so they say that jesus fainted or he passed out or he faked it or he was drugged or whatever else but he didn't really die okay so let me walk through crucifixion with you First off, Jesus had to carry the crossbar. This is the crossbar here, this part, okay? They show in movies sometimes that he was carrying the entire cross, but historically that's not really accurate. Um, That's not really accurate because uh, the crossbar usually weighed between 40 and 110 pounds, and that's the part that Jesus was carrying. The stipe... Is the long part, it's called the stipe. That's the long part, and that was usually permanent in the ground. That was put in the ground. So the stipe was in the ground. Jesus had to carry, let's say, a 90 to 110 pound crossbar on his back. Now, that was after he'd been through a lot, and I'll explain it to you as we go forward here. But Jesus was so exhausted by the time he was carrying the crossbar of 100, 100 110 pounds, 90 pounds, whatever it was, you think, well, I could probably do that. Hey, no, I'll tell you what you do. You take a 90 or you take a 50-pound crossbar, okay, and take a long walk with it and see how far you get. Really. And what the Bible says is that Jesus was, he was completely he was wiped out. He was exhausted. He was spent. He was physically spent. So they had Simon the Cyrene come, and they said, you carry it for him. And they made him carry the crossbar for Jesus up there. So Jesus, at that point, at the point where he's carrying the crossbar up to be crucified, was physically completely spent. Why was he spent? Why was he spent? Okay, let's walk through a couple of these. First, you have the crown of thorns. Okay? I've got to be careful with this, because this really hurts if I miss okay the crown of thorns what they did was they took they, they said they the, the the romans wanted to mock jesus the jews brought the jesus to the to the romans and they said this guy is claiming to be god he's claiming to be the son of god we want him killed we want him put out of his misery and and so they go, go to pilate and pilate says okay you know let's beat this guy let's you know let's let's teach him a lesson whatever you know and this is how the romans teach people a lesson um They did more than teach him a lesson. So they took the crown of thorns. Now, and I'll get to the point where they beat him on the back in a moment, but they took the crown of thorns and they they jammed it on his head. Imagine that being, not me taking my finger going, oh, I don't want to get freaked my finger a little bit, okay? But taking it and saying, ha, king of the Jews, hail to the king of the Jews. And they jam it on his head, okay? They give him a scepter, And they throw a a cloak on his back like he's some kind of king. They're mocking him. They're spitting on him. They're kicking him. They're just humiliating him. They strip him down. Okay? So the humiliation. So there he is. Then they take the scepter out of his hand and they take it and they start smacking him on the head. And every blow of that scepter on his head with that crown of thorns is digging those thorns deeper and deeper into his flesh. Anybody here ever had a head injury or seen someone had a head injury? Anyone? Raise your hand. Have you ever seen someone hit their head on the side of a thing when they're playing on the couch or whatever else? Does it, does, does it like, do you go, oh, get a Band-Aid? No, right? I, I was working in Mexico one time before, the, before we built all the facility out in Monterey and I was pushing something across and one of the, one of the, 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 um, the beams came up and it landed in the corner, hit me in the head. I'm going to tell you something. You get hit in the head with something, you bleed, okay? You take this crown of thorns and jam it on someone's head and take a scepter and start hitting him on the head with it over and over and over again. You can imagine the damage something like that could do to the human body. Someone told me last week that one of those thorns we have around here poked them and they were in the hospital for two days from being poked by one of the thorns. The infection, the whole thing that goes on with with your body. So they do that. And then picture this now, and I'm going to explain it in a second but that after whipping him they throw that cloak on his back. They let it stay there for a while. You ever you ever put a band-aid or some gauze or something on a on a, on, your, on a wound and then have to pull it off? Okay? Oh, the cloaks on his back. He's bloody uh, bloody is not a good description. Now I'm going to be and just so you know, I've I've studied this so much and read doctors reports of what crucifixion what it does to the body. I'm not even going to give you all the details because there's younger ones here. I'll gi- I'll do the best I can to protect the leers for most of it okay you take the cloak and they rip it off his body so you can imagine the the anger that the pain and the suffering and here's what they did they, they 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 before they did that they flogged him and this isn't like perfect you know flagrum it's called a flagrum a flagrum they take this and have these these things that hung down. I put like weights on there, different weights. Because what they would have, they'd have two, two of the larger metal balls right here on the end. So, and they'd have different shards of material, bone or or metal, and it would hang down all the way through there. And they would take that, and they would come across your back, and those metal, ro- those metal balls would hit the back as hard as a kid, and it would, it would just, it would tenderize, if you will, a person's back and break in, and then those shards would, they would, they would set it up so when they hit. Then they would pull. This wasn't, hey, we didn't like what you did, so we're going to give you some lashes. We're going to take one of those big bull whips. If ever get hit with a bull whip or something by accident, ooh, that stings! It didn't sting. Stinging was the least of his problems. It was a, a weapon used for torture. Okay, it was a, a weapon used to kill people for the most part. And so the Jews said forty lashes. By law, they could only hit someone with forty lashes. So the Jews would go back and say, hit him only 39 times because we don't want to break the law and get in trouble. So no one ever gets hit 40 times. We do it 39 times just to make sure someone didn't miscount 39 lashes. But guess what? Jesus wasn't beaten by the Jews. He was beaten, beaten by the Romans. The Romans had no such laws. They could care less about Jewish law and 40 lashes. They beat him. They beat people until they were nearly dead nearly dead or they just died because people couldn't take it because this wasn't just lashing i wish i could get into imagine hit, being hit and pulled and hit and pulled and hit and pulled and hit and pulled see into people this wasn't ouch this was ripping people this wasn't getting lashed this was getting dismembered okay this is what was happening So they beat him over and over and over. They flogged him over and over and over. Then, when they get him, they take him, he he takes the crossbar. Then Then they take him to crucify him. And they use seven to nine inch spikes to crucify him. Not little nails, spikes seven to nine inches long they would use to crucify someone they were experts they and it wasn't like well let's just nail them through the well no they put it in the perfect position through the wrist or hand and just so you know people say it says they nailed them through the hand but they really nailed them through the wrist and blah 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 From 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 an anatomy standpoint then and now the wrist is a part of the hand just so you know okay so there's no issue there whether whether it was through right through he, which here okay so they nail them through the hand and they put it in a position and if you study this you can go back and study it from a from a medical standpoint they positioned it perfectly right where the nerves were. So every time you moved, every time the nerves would shoot the pain into your brain, it would be excruciating. Same thing through the feet, one foot over the other, through both feet, in a place where you could feel every bit of it, not just, ow, that hurts, but every time you try to move, because you're trying to move to breathe. got you nailed to a cross. Most people, they didn't even nail, they, they, they hung them with ropes. It was, they were hung. They weren't nailed. Jesus was nailed. They even argued until the 1960s that Jesus wasn't nailed to the cross. They never found anybody who was nailed to the cross until they did excavation. They found people who were nailed. and They said, oops, wrong again. Jesus was nailed. So he was nailed to the cross by seven to nine-inch spikes through his hands, wrists, and his feet. Agony. Ever been playing football, basketball, or ever sitting on the couch eating popcorn and get a, and get a muscle cramp? You're like, ooh, muscle cramp. Right? Does it hurt? Anybody have muscle cramp? Anybody? Ever? Muscle cramp. Okay? Imagine every muscle in your body cramping at the same time, pretty much. Your body can't take it anymore. So you're sitting on the, you're hanging on the cross. Every time you move to get release, you're pushing on some part of the body where the nerves are shooting through. So you're in absolute agony. You try to move. You can't do it after a while. And basically your muscles go into spasm and you're sitting there and you're one big muscle spasm while the nerves are shooting all throughout your body. While you're hanging on a cross, while you're trying to move, with a crown of thorns on your head, your back is shredded to pieces and you're rubbing it up against this. But he just fainted, took three days to recover, and off he went. Usually the flogging killed you. And if that didn't kill you, by the time you're hanging on the cross... The blood from your head, the blood from your back, the blood from your hands, the blood from your feet, the blood from everywhere. They're beating you all along the way. Your body can't physically take it. Then people say, well, you know, he fainted and, you know, uh, he, he was pretending he was dead. Well, it's kind of hard to pretend you're dead. Kevin made this for me. Um, it's a Maasai Masai, uh, spear on a pole he made. The Romans were experts on death. You didn't fake death with the Romans. Okay, so when you're hanging on the cross and you look like you're dead, they don't go, well, he kind of looks like he's dead. They take a spear and you're hanging and they get a good grip and they stick it in your side, okay? Now, all of this is prophesied in the Old Testament. I am poured out like water. When you're, when you're dead, your blood and your water separate. They poured out Blood, water came spilling out of his side. So they stuck him in the side with a spear to make sure, absolutely sure, this is irreparable damage. When someone were to take a spear and where they stuck him, that does irreparable damage to you. You don't recover from things like that. they so stuck him with a spear. That would have been enough. The Romans were experts they would have verified whether he was dead or he was still alive. Not only that, but the Jews then came to Pilate and said, Hey, listen, we remember he said if he when he if he if he's killed the, on the third day, he's going to raise again. You have to put some guards in front of that tomb. We can't have this guy's body being stolen by his, by his disciples and carried off because we'll have more of a problem then than we do right now. We, he's a liar and you know he caused so much trouble for us. And so we want him dead and we want him to stay dead. So you need to post guards there or it's going to have an uprising. These people are going to think they're going to come steal his body and then say all these things. And so they, the Pilate said, okay, put some guards there. When Joseph of Arimathea came to get the body of Jesus, Pilate asked the guards, is he dead? Not do you think he's dead, not you know, did you slap him around a little bit, did you... Is he dead? Yes, he's dead. Okay, he's dead. Now you can take the body. And they take the body. And they bring the body and they put it in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Now, if Jesus was... Um, if he was, if he was, if he he was in the, in the tomb and he, now they, what they do is with the Jews, they would wrap you up like a mummy. Okay. You have burial cloth and they wrap you up in the burial cloth. And then they put about a hundred pounds of spices on the burial cloth because the body would reek. Okay. So they made sure they put the burial cloth in there pretty quickly. They wrap them up in there in the burial cloth. They put the spices on there. And so Jesus is in the tomb. So the question would be, how did Jesus get out of the mummified barrel cloth, if you will, that he was wrapped up in. If he was, you know, he was faking, so They wrapped him up, and, because that's what they did. And it was they, people would watch, and they put him in the tomb, and they would seal it with a stone. So I thought to myself, "Where's Kevin? Kevin, come up here." Kevin, you know, Kevin did a preach a couple weeks ago, and he threw up like a just to help you understand, you know, what his background is. You know, you read some of that. You know, a 15-time marathon finisher and all that kind of stuff. So I want to see if Kevin is capable. And this is not. A hundred pounds or more of of burial cloth. It's just a regular old cloth that we use for stuff. So let's see if Kevin's man enough to get out of this cloth. Well to, do it go this way. One roll you the other way. That's okay. Get it right, Kevin. You're not Jesus, you're not perfect. That's all right. Just roll up. Okay, you rolled up there? Now where's my shroud? Someone stole the shroud. From the first service they took the shroud. A thousand years now they go, This is Kevin, this is truly Kevin's shroud. Okay, now Kevin, Kevin has to, using all his, Kevin actually was a, he was a pastor for the bull, for the bull riding and everything, and he got a bull stepping on him, popped his long and everything, so Kevin's a pretty tough guy. So Kevin, alright, see if you can get out of there. Wait, Kevin, I told, I, I didn't tell you something. You have to get out without moving. Because, wait, when Jesus was in the tomb and John and Peter ran to the tomb and the women said, he's not there, they ran in. Peter, I mean, John ran in and it said, John believed. And the reason it said John believed is what happened was it was like a cocoon and when, when Jesus' body was no longer there, it's just the weight of the spices just shrunk it down. But it was in perfect position. The shroud was perfectly laying there. The, the, the burial cloth was laying there. So Jesus... Didn't, didn't do the Hulk thing, you know, and there's shredded things everywhere, you know what I mean? That's not what happened. He just was there and then he wasn't there and he was resurrected. So Kevin is not allowed to move around when he's going to do that. Okay, so my next point. Okay. So, what? Oh, sorry, Kevin. Yeah, you can get out now. (laughs) Give Kevin a big hand for not being able to get out. We actually tried this before. There, there's wait. There's a shroud. There you go. Take this with you as your, you know, as a memento. Okay, so we did this earlier in both first service and when we tried it early. Kevin couldn't get out, really couldn't get out. We rolled him up a couple of times in a little towel and he couldn't get out because you're, you're tight in there. So how did Jesus get out of that when they rolled the stone in the way and the Roman guards are guarding it? No one's getting in there unwrapping him. They showed up and John said, I believe. He believed because it was, it was undisturbed. It just he was there and then he wasn't there and he was resurrected. And then here's the other question. If Jesus had just gone through everything I just described, how would he roll an over, a a several ton stone out of the way? He just like got his, I mean, the whole idea that he, that he recovered from what I just described to you after three days, you could take him to the best hospital in the world and he's not going to recover from that. And he recovered in the tomb. Got out of that without moving any of the things, and then rolled the stone away. Could Jesus, in his weakened condition, roll away a stone weighing several tons? Could Jesus have pulled this off all by himself? Which leads to our second theory that people will, will give you. They'll say, well, the disciples stole the body. The disciples stole the body. Well, if the disciples stole the body, that means the Roman guards would have had to be in on the whole thing because they were there guarding the body. So they would have had to be in on this big hoax. The problem with that theory is if that body's missing, they are dead. You don't go, well, you know, me and John were just sitting there guarding Jesus and he fell asleep, so I fell asleep and he was gone. Sue me. You know what I mean? He's gone, you're dead. Simple as that. No, no arguments here. The Roman soldiers did not do their job. If the body is not there, the Roman soldiers are dead. So what you're saying is that the Roman soldiers had to be in on this. They were willing to risk their own life to be in on this big hoax. On top of all that, all the post-resurrection miracles would have to be a pure scam, total fiction concocted by the apostles. And you say, yeah, okay, I believe that. It was concocted. The whole thing was concocted. That makes sense, except that Paul said that 500 people saw him at the same time. 500 people. If Paul was trying to lie about something, he would have said, yeah, me and John and a couple others we saw, and you know, blah, 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 and and, uh, take my word for it. Swear on a stack of, they're not written yet, but a stack of Bibles. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> stick a pin in my eye if I ever tell a lie, you know, pants on fire. And yeah, that's what you have to tell people. And I would be like, you know, your pants are on fire. You're kidding me. No one rose from the dead. But Paul doesn't say that. He said, five people at the same time saw him and then to make it even worse for him if he's lying he said most of whom are still alive but some have fallen asleep which means they have died which means if you really look into the text even further that Paul must have known who these people were how would he know that they're dead or still alive he didn't know who they were so the people would say what would be the question if I said I saw so and so raised from the dead 500 people saw him at the same time don't even take my word for it what would you ask me yeah name one Point them out, I, and, and Paul would say, "Yeah, uh, Mary and her his, her family live over here, and then and then Simon lives over there in that house, and this guy or that guy. Go talk to any of them. They all saw it, and you, be my guest. All all the ones that are still alive, which are a majority of them, are still alive. They also go and talk to them. Go and talk to them. Think about that. Think about if you're trying to put to hold, hold together this hoax that you made up." Why does this theory not hold water? Let me, let me give you a couple of reasons. This is, for me, this is the biggest one. People, because people will not die for something they know to be a lie. Okay, one, one, one insane person, maybe, okay, but normal people, which the disciples and these other folks were normal folks. People don't die for what they know to be a lie. The idea that the guards were in on this and they were willing to give their lives for something that was completely untrue and they knew it is completely ridiculous. It is not credible. It is intellectually silly. They're not going to do that. The disciples would have had to do have done the same thing. Listen, People will die for their faith. That's what you're thinking. Well, people die for their faith all the time. Those crazies, blah, 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 blah. That's not what we're talking about here. I'll die for my faith. I believe Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. I know there's a heaven. I know where I'm going when I die. I have faith in everything. And I will die for Jesus Christ any day of the week and twice on Sundays. Okay? You can say that. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who are willing to die for something they knew not was true, they believed to be true. They didn't die for something they believed to be true. They died for something they knew for a fact was a complete and fabricated lie. All of them. Come on, intellectually, go with me on this. How many people do you know are going to die for something they know for a fact is an absolute lie. All but one of the disciples, John, who was on the island of Patmos, who wrote the book of Revelation, died as martyrs preaching the risen Jesus Christ. They preached the risen Christ. He is risen, and they died. And they didn't die by firing squad or something like that. How about being buried in, in stone to death, uh, rocks hitting your head? How about being crucified upside down, sawed, sawed in half? This is how these people died. The moment, the moment that, that you were challenged, you're not going to take... I mean, all right, the Romans come along and you're saying, well, you know, I, I believe Jesus rose from the dead and, and uh, I'm sticking to it. You're going to stick to it, all right? You sticking to it? They come along and they say, you, you still, still sticking to your, your story? Anybody? Anybody still sticking to that story that you're telling? Well, they didn't actually see him. No one's sticking. When they, start, when they start sticking you with this, and they start hitting you with this, and they start jamming this or whatever else, and they, start, they come at you with this, you, you, it, my friends, it's absurd to think that any normal human being is going to die any time in history for, some, for something they knew absolutely true, absolutely was a lie. No one's going to do it. I'm going to be careful with this baby. I'm going to lay it right down here and hope I don't step on it. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Also, is it realistic to believe? Think about this. They could pull this kind of conspiracy off. I want you to use the mind that God has given you. Use your logical, rational mind. Now, use your logical and rational mind if they could have pulled off this conspiracy Knowing what you know about human nature. My gosh, you can't tell one of your best friends a secret without them telling everyone else. Is it really rational and logical to think that 500 people are going to, are going to tell the same exact story and we're all going to get together, okay, and they're going to hold this hoax together without the secret leaking out that it really didn't happen? Now listen, all of us, you're all, we're all together. I'm going to make something up and you're all going to, I'm going to lie and you're going to swear to it, okay? I'm going to lie and you're going to swear to it. And now listen up now. Here's the thing. If the Romans come and they want to kill you, just, man, life's short anyway. It doesn't matter. Just die for it. You know what I'm saying? Don't, you know, and, it's, and I'm not promising you heaven because Jesus didn't raise from the dead and there is no heaven and you're just going to go whatever, rot in the grave and have worms eat you. So there is no God, there is no heaven. So just, just die for it anyway. Come on, let's do it together. Hooray, I'll paint my face blue and I'll get on a horse. Come on, charge! It's all fun and games until the sword comes. It's not realistic to to think that people are going to hold on to a massive hoax and keep a secret. That many people keeping a secret and that many people willing to die for the secret, not happening. Let's talk about what's more realistic. What's more realistic is that Jesus is who he said he was and did what he said he was going to do. Now, some people will try to avoid this whole thing by saying this, and this is what you're saying in your head. You know, they're good points. You made some good points there. But I'm not going to I don't really believe in the resurrection because again, I'm going back to the very beginning because it's not about that. I made my point. It's about the fact that you had to think through now if I'm right and you believe it, how is that going to affect your life? What is how is that going to make a difference in your life going forward? That's your that's your that's your bottom line argument, not truth. Convenience. Okay. so what people are going to say is this. Listen, I I'm with you guys. With the, you know, with the religious stuff and everything, and Jesus was a really... I believe Jesus was a really good guy. I don't think he rose from dead, but I think he was a really good man. He was a good man. C.S. Lewis said something that destroys that whole line of thinking. Jesus is either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord. Period. Those are your three options. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he is who he said he was, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Okay, If he's a liar, if he's a bull-faced liar, my friends, he's not a good man. Everything the man ever said is suspect. Everything he ever did. Who here calls Jim Jones a good man? Jesus knew he wasn't the Messiah. He's a lion. He is lying, and he led all these people to their suffering and misery. That is not a good man. If Jesus is a liar, he's not a good man. If he's a lunatic, he's a lunatic. Because it was Jesus who said to the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, destroy this body, and in three, in, in the third day, I will rise again. It was Jesus who said to the disciples in Luke chapter 9 and verse 22 and Luke chapter 18 verse 33, He said that when I die the third day, I will rise again. Jesus is not a liar. Jesus is not a lunatic. Jesus is the Lord. And he fulfilled all, he fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecy having to do with the Messiah. Now, I'm, I'm going to go through this, but I have to read you something. Because you're sitting here going, well, you know. Because some people will go, gosh, uh, no, I love to watch Nostradamus and that prophet and everything. He's a, he, that guy didn't know anything, okay? Okay. Let me show let me read you a, pro, a real prophecy. A real prophecy is real specific, okay? How did How did Jesus die? He was crucified, right? Where did they stick him? Right. So you got that down, right? So they always stuck him. This was written 500 years before crucifixion was even invented, and thousand years before the birth of Christ. Listen to this, okay? And it's written more than one place in the Bible. Many, my, and I'm just going to read you one portion of this because I don't have time. My, my strength is dried. This is Psalm 22. My strength is dried up like a pot's thread, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I'm sorry. I still get goosebumps from that. Maybe it's just me. 500 years before crucifixion is invented, they're prophesying how the Messiah is going to die. Okay. I can count on my bones. None of his bones are broken. That was a prophecy. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments and cast lots for my clothes. What did they do at the very end of Jesus' crucifixion? They cast lots for his clothes. They stripped them down, hung them on a cross, cast lots for his clothes. Listen, let me read you a couple more. Psalm 49:15. Listen to this. This is Old Testament, not new. But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. Isaiah 25 and verse 8. He will swallow up death in victory. Turn to the person next to you and say, He is risen. Someone say that, please. Okay, because... Come on. So, Isaiah. You want to hear the gospel? Don't go to the New Testament. Go to Isaiah 53. If you want to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, you go to Isaiah 53 and you read Isaiah 53. That is the gospel written a thousand years before Jesus Christ was even born. Even before the foundation of the earth, God had a plan for the redemption of man. And that plan included Jesus Christ coming, Jesus Christ dying on a cross, and Jesus Christ being risen from the dead. And that's exactly what he did did that's what he did why is it significant it's significant because uh jesus being born in bethlehem is not the foundation of our faith it is not it's cool it's awesome it fulfills prophecy it's not the foundation of our faith cross resurrection is the foundation of our faith calvary is the foundation of our faith that jesus christ died and was risen if jesus christ did not raise from the dead then we are following total fantasy and we're all nuts and why bother it's not, it's Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ did not raise from the grave, then everything we believe is complete and utter lie. The cross and resurrection is the foundation of our faith. Now, many of you are thinking right now, why would Jesus go through all that? Why would he do that? Why would he go through that? John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world. Listen to me, please. Please, for God so loved the world. This is why Jesus went through everything I just described. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That is why Jesus Christ came. He had, listen, he had nothing to gain but you. He had nothing to gain but you. He had nothing to gain but you and you and you. He had nothing to gain but you. He went through it all for you. When I first started going to church, there was a song that they would sing and I heard on here on the radio or I don't know, maybe I had a tape, but it, 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 it went like this. It said, We are the reason that he gave his life. We are the reason that he suffered and died. To a world that was lost, he gave all he could give to show us the reason to live. Sin has separated us from God, and Jesus Christ came to connect one hand to God and one hand to you. He bridges that separation. We are sinners, lost in our sin. God didn't like that idea. He sends Jesus on the cross to die. His blood completely covers us. And God Jesus holds one hand up to God and one hand down to you and he bridges that gap. Romans ten nine says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. It isn't that difficult. Let me tell you something, all you worried about what's going to happen, if you agree with me this morning, don't worry about it. Ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and let God show you the path to spiritual growth. You just allow Him to work in your life. It's not that difficult to let the Holy Spirit start working in your life. Let me say one last thing to you here as we close. I wasn't trying to erase every bit of doubt from your mind and prove beyond any whatever, whatever, that I am absolutely... What I was trying to do this morning was get people who are thinkers, which is all of you, not to take some blind leap in the dark, but to take a step of faith. So I ask you... Did I present enough evidence this morning, enough truth? Because it's true. Whether you agree with it or not, it's true. Did I present enough truth for you this morning to help you take that step of faith? If I did, I want you to bow your heads. Just everyone bow your heads. Everyone bow your heads with me. If you're not sure where you're going to go when you leave this earth, if you're not sure where you're going to go when you leave here this morning, something were to happen to you, if you don't know, but you want to know God, you want to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, you you know about God, but you don't have that personal relationship with God. That's why Jesus Christ came. This was personal for you. It was personal. And if you'd like to get to know Him, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. A simple prayer of faith. It's, the prayer is not magic. What you say in your heart is all that matters. I want you to say this prayer with me if you truly believe that Jesus Christ has risen. And this morning, God really talked to your heart. And you want to take that step of faith. You say, Father, you can say it to yourself. Father, thank you for sending Jesus Christ into this world because you love me that much. God, I do confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. He's not a liar and he's not a lunatic. He's Lord. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart with all that I have, with all the knowledge I have right now, Lord, and I know you can teach me so much more, but with the knowledge I have right now, I believe that in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And Lord, God, I want Him to be the Savior, the Lord of my life. I don't, I'm sick and tired of trying to do this on my own. I don't want to do it on my own anymore. I want You to be the Lord of my life. Please, Lord, fill me with Your Spirit, the Holy Spirit. God, show me the meaning of this life. Show me my, my life's purpose. I am Yours. Use me, Father. Father. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, here's what I'd like you to do. After the service is all over, people will be milling around. I'd like you to come up, and I just want to help you in your spiritual journey. Okay, no no pressure. I want to give you, if you prayed that prayer this morning, today is your spiritual birthday. You have two birthdays, the day you were born and your spiritual birthday. This is your spiritual birthday. If you prayed that prayer, I have a gift I want to give to you. Okay, this morning, and I just want to help you in your spiritual journey. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Happy Easter. God bless you.